Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Some of us might not feel it. But we can be assured by your word that says, where two or more are gathered in your name, I will be. So he's here this morning. We are gathered in his name. Church can be a bit messy sometimes. Doesn't go to the script. Doesn't go to the plan. But you are there in the midst of that. And it's in our frailty, Lord, and it's in our humanity that you inject your Holy Spirit. So you are here this morning and we declare your glory over this place. And we bask in it, Lord. We bathe in it just for a moment. And we focus our thoughts on you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we enjoy this moment. We rest in this moment. And we offer up a silent prayer of thanks. Jesus' name. Thank you. And all God's children said, Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sail Baptist Church. Have you with us? Why don't you have a quick turnaround, say good day to someone, and then have a seat. And I'll take this opportunity to welcome all those that are watching online, no matter what time it is. And I just want to give you a little warning that we do have communion coming up at the end of this. Uh, announcements. So if you want to take a time to prepare, that would be great. Okay, it would be lovely for you now to take a seat, continue on those conversations. So as I said, a warm welcome to you all. Um, So, Church Centre app, have you all logged in, checked in, that you're all here, please do so. And also, you can check in via the Church Centre app and let us know that you're here. We'd love to get in touch with you and also your Connect and Next Steps uh, cards are available from the app or the online platform. Just want to let you know that there's no SBC kids in the school holidays. Oh, but Crash is still on, so yay. All those that need to utilise that service, please do so. Now, Pastor Lauren is going on maternity leave from the 19th of April. And um, so if you need any assistance church-wise, please contact any of the other pastors as needed. And we also need to be lifting up uh, Lauren and Ben as they enter this new phase in life. I can assure them it will be interesting, (laughs) challenging, and lots of other describing words. Alpha course, we are happy to announce that we are running two alpha courses starting in April. One of them will be in sale and one of them will be in Locksport. And alpha is an important thing for us to get involved with. It gives us an opportunity to answer some of those big questions in life. Which big questions do you think? Why should we follow Jesus? Who is this Jesus. I know you're wondering. 
Is it happening, Michael? Here we go. questions there. Maybe we can add another couple like, could he use someone like me? Someone like you? Lots of questions. And who should come to Alpha? Because I'm pretty sure some of you right now have closed off. You've gone, I'm a Christian, I've been around for a while. I want to challenge you that coming to Alpha is a good refresher. You never know, your experience might be just the thing that's needed to mentor someone new, to add or to value add to the facilitators that are running the program. You never know, you might even find a good friend that you can mentor through life. Lots of reasons to consider coming to Alpha and I hope you take that on board. We're now going to enter into a time of communion and and I guess um, last week was Easter, Good Friday, Easter Sunday... And the message of the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus should be forefront in our minds right now. And I just want to take a moment to reflect on Pastor Brad's message that he preached last week. Great title, God Works in the Dark. And I'll occasionally refer to myself in the third person because I'm the one that's doing the reflecting, right? So great message about God working in the dark, but And I'm so thankful he works in the darkness of my heart from time to time. But as I reflect, it's more about the journey of Mary Magdalene as she walks towards the tomb that she thought was full. And if I'm honest, I think to myself, wow, I wish it was me. I wish I could be at the forefront of some amazing, miraculous event. Just, wow. But then I'm challenged with the cost of living that life. Because Mary Magdalene's life was not an easy life. And I reflect on this life. And, and if we have been around church for a bit, we, we sort of have this picture of Mary Magdalene and and in, in, in um, art, she's always displayed with this alabaster box. And you know the story probably. She breaks open the alabaster box. And there's some things in that are the, that are quite significant and quite challenging to me. And I hope they are for you as well. Because her worship was authentic and it was extravagant. Ouch. Has your worship been extended? 
extravagant David? Is it even authentic? Or is it something that's just done here? These questions we can ask ourselves. See, the story of she breaks open this box representing how of her past, her sin, her brokenness. And I love the, the symmetry to an empty tomb and God broken forth life and displayed it for her to be the first to see wow powerful but everything she did was socially unacceptable the culture the time it was not acceptable for her to do what she did but she did it authentic Socially unacceptable. Oh, the scribes and the priests and whoever was at the dinner, I can't remember, but they said, if he was a prophet, surely he would know who she was. Hello, a sinner. You know, your reputation, Dave, could be in tatters. And isn't it wonderful that God can take someone's reputation that is in tatters and restore it as he did with her? So do not worry about your reputation, Dave. Live for me. Wow, this is, I don't know whether I want to go down that path, you know. Socially acceptable, it was not. She had a Facebook page and she posted what she did that day. She wouldn't have got likes. She would have got derision. She would have been told, hello, this is a secular world now. We're all educated. We don't need that religious stuff. Dave, are you living your life socially unacceptable? Are you making a difference in the people's lives that you live with? Where you work? Or do you only do it again here and barely do it here because, you know, you cover it up. You're not vulnerable. You don't share. You don't interact. You just come in and you go, is is that how we live our lives? So the challenge the week after Easter is not to just take that message and wish you could walk a journey. How about walk the journey? Head up high. Tell your workmates what you did on Sunday. Tell your friends, your sporting clubs your neighbours. Make a difference in someone's life. You can do it. God's not chosen you because you're good looking, handsome. I know that. He's chosen you because he wants to make an impact in your heart and in your life. As he has all of you. So we're going to take and share in this communion now. And there are three stations set up. Maybe two stations set up. And the, the ushers will come and Help those that can't make it to it. But I ask that you share your communion and take these thoughts. Ponder, reflect on the Jesus message. Who is this Jesus? Why do we follow him? Why did he die? And how should it impact me? And how has it impacted me? And we're going to go back into worship now. I'll leave you with the team. Take your time. Because this is significant. And when you leave here, reflect. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you 
one, because we don't even understand the significance and the, the, huma- the huge impact, the power that you have over our lives, life and death. And you've asked us to choose life and walk in that life. And we'll try to do that, Lord, in all humility. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Please grab a seat. It's great to see you this morning. Great to have you online this morning. If you've chosen to stay home, I don't blame you. Who would have thought last weekend that we'd be having this weekend? Only in Victoria. I saw Christine. Leah, she's just ducked out, but um, she's come down from Queensland and raving about the weather, how good it is. Very cool. Well, it's great to have all the kids in, in the building this morning. Give us a cheer, kids. Yeah. Excited? They're tuned out already, falling asleep? No, very good. It's great um, to be on school holidays, have the kids in the building. Um, Croatia out there, they're a bit... Oh, they're, they're my boys, so... Um, good that we have Croatia, that's all I'll say, <laughs> for your sake, for all our sake. Um, but this morning before I get into the Word, we're gonna, we've got a special moment in our service where we get to do a baby dedication. So I'm going to invite Chris and Yingying, and I think all the girls are going to come up, is that right? Claire and Elsa and Anastasia, who we are dedicating this morning. Chris and Yingying are new to our church, they've just moved down from Sydney in January, I think it was, or February. Jan? Feb? February, I was close. And Anastasia was born, come right up here so everyone can see your beautiful family. And Anastasia was born in February as well. 20th of Feb. That's right. So fresh. And look at her, so well behaved. Eyes wide open, taking in every word that I'm saying. You could all learn a lesson from Anastasia, I think. Um, but we do baby dedications and child dedications um, because in the, in the, we see it modelled in Scripture. I mean, uh, we see it first in 1 Samuel where Hannah had been praying for a child and she had Samuel and then brought it to the, the temple to be dedicated. And then we see Jesus at about eight days old come to the temple um, to be uh, as a form of dedication in the Jewish culture. And you can read that in Luke chapter 2. And the idea of child dedication or baby dedication is really about the parents making a promise before God and before us to, um, to entrust their child with, to God, to entrust their child to, to God's plan and to God's purposes. And so that's really what this morning is all about. Uh, and this is one way that you can dedicate, you could do this at home by yourself. It's, there's no sort of rule that says you have to do it at church on a platform, but this is one way that we do this. Uh, we can dedicate our children like this. Um, so I'm going to ask Chris and Yingying uh, a few questions, uh, and then I'm going to ask us a question, and then we're going to stand and pray together for Anastasia and for the family. And so, Chris and Yingying, do you receive Anastasia with gratitude as God's gift to you and your family? Absolutely. And do you commit to each other as parents to create a stable environment in which Anastasia can mature? And will you make a covenant to strengthen your marriage relationship? 
Do you commit to be parents of personal faith and recognising that Anastasia is more likely to follow God's path by the model that she first observes in you? And lastly, do you commit to lead a faith-filled home that honours God in all your relationships and in the choices you make in spiritually growing your family? Awesome. And to us, why don't you stand as we ask this question. Do we, as members of this church family, to commit to praying for, encouraging, supporting and partnering with this family as they raise Anastasia in the ways of the Lord? Awesome. Let's pray together for this family and dedicate Anastasia. Lord God, we thank you so much for this gift, this beautiful child, Anastasia, and we thank you that she is a gift from you, that you know all the days before her. You, God, you have ordained her life, and God, we commit and dedicate her to you right now. We trust her uh, into your loving hands. And God, we thank you for Chris and Yingying for the vows and the, um, the commitments they've made this morning to be people of faith, to be people that follow you and that uh, will raise and, and teach Anastasia all about Jesus. And God, we just pray that uh, you would have your hand on every part of Anastasia's life from this moment for all her days while she's here on earth. And God, we pray that she would walk in the plans that you have for her. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you give him a hand, quietly, of course. Your first certificate. Can you take that? Oh, no, she's got a birth certificate, I suppose. Second certificate. <laughs> Fantastic. How good it is. Life's a competition of how many certificates you can get, isn't it? Pretty sure it says that somewhere in... Somewhere? Fantastic. Well, this morning we are going to jump into a new series. It's always fun to start a new series, isn't it? Straight off the back of Easter. We're going to spend three weeks in a little series called The Words, Works and Ways. Words, Works and Ways. Try to say that really fast. Ready? One, two, three, go. Words, Works, Ways. Words, Works, Ways. Yeah, yeah. It all sounds like when. That's why we call it that. Uh, words, Works, Ways. Um, of Jesus, not of anybody not of me, but the words, works, and ways of Jesus. And one of the key reasons that I wanted to jump into this series and, and talk about the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus is because of this big idea that our identity as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is found in Jesus. And so the big idea of this series that we're going to keep coming back to is this, that we discover who we are when we discover who He is. We discover who we are when we discover who He is. This morning we're going to focus in on the words of Jesus, how and what he speaks. Next week we'll talk about the, the works, how and what he does, and lastly, the ways, how and what he lives. I want to set it up, I want to read it. I mean, we're not going to read all of Jesus' words this morning, don't worry about that. Uh, I figured it out, it'll probably take about eight hours to get through if we just read the red letters of the Gospels, uh, and a few that find themselves in Acts and the Epistles, but it would take a long time, uh, but we're just going to read a few. Um, and you'll get the idea. John 6, 63 to 69 says this, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, 
Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord God, as we come around your words this morning, as we come around specifically around Jesus' words that he speaks, God, we pray that we might be able to hear them. We might be able to obey them. And we might be able to reflect them in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I love, having, um, love about having kids is the, seeing them learn how to speak. Um, and generally, as a parent, one of, your, one of your roles, I think, I don't know if this is written anywhere, is to sort of teach them when they mispronounce words. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but that's sort of what I've done anyway. If, I've done, if I'm doing the wrong thing, please come and correct me afterwards. But one of the words that I've never corrected Harry in saying is his pronunciation of trampoline. He calls it a jampoline. And I think he's like sort of mixing up jumping and trampoline into one sort of word, and he calls it a jampoline. And I, I just haven't tried to correct him because I just think it's cute. Um, and one day he'll discover that he's been saying it wrong his whole life. Um, like, I haven't told Alana I was going to tell this story, but a, a year or so ago, um, we're doing um, renovations at our house, and um, she's like, oh, I really like, like a bagola at the, you know, the, the front, the bagola. And she's like Googling bagola, and she's like, how do you spell bagola? And I'm like, P. She's like, P. She's all her life thought it was bagola, not pergola. Anyway. Um, but... Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I might be out in the, I might, I might be out in the ruthless part of the house tonight. <laughs> um, but when we think about how we speak, do we just think that well, the way we speak and what we say is just the right thing because we're adults now and so we figured it out, or do we have the attitude of a child that? hangs on every word and, and mimics and looks at the parents or the grown-ups in their life and thinks, oh, that's the word I want to try to say next. Do we look at Jesus and go, that's how I want to speak? If my identity is found in him, that's who I'm supposed to reflect. That's what I'm supposed to look like. That's what I'm supposed to sound like. Do I hang on his word so that I learn how to speak and what to speak? Or do I, do I just assume that I figured it out? And then my whole life, I've just been, I'm going to just say jambaline and just think that that's just the way you say it. When we come to this idea of words, works, and ways, we have to approach it with a level of humility that says, there is one who is perfect and that's not me. And I am not, if I'm not perfect, then I've got a ways to grow. I've got something to learn. I've got something to be transformed in my life. And so this morning, I want us to think about what are the words that need to be transformed in our life? What are the ways in which we speak that need to be transformed? That need to be, uh, the way we speak need to be transformed in our life. When we discover how, uh, how he speaks, we discover how we should speak. You know, when Jesus spoke, he spoke with, uh, it, it talks about this idea that he spoke with authority. People who came around and heard him speak thought, wow, there's something different about the way he speaks. He speaks with purpose. He speaks with intent. And when Jesus spoke, it shaped and influenced the lives of those around him. So much so that he would go to people and say, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they would literally leave their nets. They would leave their towns. They would leave their families. And they would come and follow him. 
I mean, his words, his words alone brought dramatic change in people's lives, dramatic influence. They had a profound effect on the people around him. He spoke with this authority. He spoke with grace. He spoke with compassion. He spoke with purpose. He called the disciples with his words. He painted a picture of a preferred future. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they did. You know, the words that Jesus spoke had tremendous influence. I like to think of words a little bit like the wind in the influence they have. It's been windy the last couple of days. Um, And the wind has, when it gets strong enough, has an influence on the things around it. It has an influence, it has the ability to, to break things and tear things down, to knock trees over. Or it has the ability to push things forward. I'm not a bike rider, but the few times that I have ridden a bike, when the wind is behind your back, it, the influence of it to push you forward is, it, is dramatic compared to when it's in your face. It makes a huge difference. And words are similar. They can shape and influence lives. They can tear down. They can knock people down. Or they can push people forward. And the words that Jesus spoke always pushed people forward. They were spirit. They were life. They were always pushing people towards a preferred future. They always had eternity in mind. You know, if you tell someone enough times that they are no good, or that they're silly, or that they, they're ugly, you, know, you use any sort of describing word that's negative, and you tell someone enough times that they are that thing, it's going to influence them. No matter what sort of person you are, if someone tells you enough times, words have influence. If you tell someone enough times that they are made in the image of God, that they have purpose, if you tell them that enough, it's going to influence their life. It's going to shape their future. Jesus never spoke to tear down, but he always spoke to move forwards, to lift up. His words that he spoke were life. They weren't death. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said of his own words, the the verses that we just read in John 6, 63, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit and life. You know, when we think about the words that we speak, sometimes even when we think about the words that Jesus spoke, we can just get into this idea that Jesus just spoke kind words. He was just a nice guy. And so, as Christians, we just need to be kind with our words and nice with our words. And while it's true, you know, there's fruit of the Spirit that talks about kindness, we need, to be, we need to speak kind words. I think we need to go a step beyond just kindness and niceness and speak words that are life and spirit. There are people that aren't believers, people that don't follow Jesus, and they speak kind words all the time. They speak nice words all the time. Jesus didn't just speak nice and kind words. He spoke life-giving words, spirit-giving words. He spoke with eternity in mind, not just with people's feelings in mind. There's a big difference. His words were spirit and life. They were of eternal value and influence. Simon Peter understood this in verse 68 of John 6. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. You have the words that give eternal life. The words that Jesus spoke were thought out. 
They had intention behind them. He didn't just say what felt right in the moment. But he said what was life-giving for all time. You know, we live in a culture where more and more we're encouraged to say and to do what we feel. What we feel is right. And while I think authenticity and vulnerability are things that we should continue to encourage, we should never hide who we are. We always have a need to take hold of what we feel and make sure they serve what is true. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about this idea. It says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments, and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. There are some times where the words that come out of our mouth or the words that we want to say to someone would not obey Christ. And it's at those moments when we feel like saying something that we need to say, is this going to serve truth? Is this going to serve Jesus? Is this obeying Christ? The words that I'm about to say, even the words that I'm telling myself, about someone or about myself? Are they obeying Christ? Have I taken them captive, serving Christ? What would Jesus think in this situation? What would he say? How would he say it? Our words shape and influence the lives of those around us. And yet we are called to imitate Jesus. We are called to be Jesus. Christians literally means little Christ. We discover who we are when we discover who he is. We discover who we are when we discover who he is. He is our example. He is the one we look at and go, that's what I'm supposed to look like. That's what a perfect human looks like. Us in our sin don't reflect perfect humanity. He does because he is without sin. Jesus constantly says through the Gospels, you have heard it say, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard this, but I say this. Let's not just keep going with what we've heard, with what we've told ourselves, with what we've been told, with what we feel, but what he says, what Jesus says. Don't just go with what you've always said, how you've always said it, but go with what he says. The way we live is important, and next week we'll begin to unpack that, but the way we speak is just as important, especially when it comes to those who are not yet Christians. Often we can think, well, we just got to be kind people, we just got to do the right thing, we got to live the right lifestyle. But I would say Jesus did all those things, but he spoke with real intent to every interaction. Every person he came into contact with, the words that he spoke were life and spirit. He wasn't just kind to people. And Jesus speaks these spirit and life words to us as well. We are supposed to reflect these words, but we are also supposed to listen to these words. They are supposed to change us. I'm going to read a selection of some of Jesus' words. And we're just about finished. 
But I want you to just to, maybe if it helps, just to close your eyes and just to reflect on and listen to the Spirit of God speaking these words directly to you. In John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Matthew 7, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. In John 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In John 4, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. In Luke 5, Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. With these words and so many more, Jesus speaks to us. Jesus speaks his words of life to us. His spirit-giving words to us. And behind all these words is this, this one idea that keeps coming through time and again. It's turn and follow. Come with me. Turn from that. Come to this. Turn around. See something different. You've heard it said, but I say this. Look again. Leave and come this way. And as we finish, I want to ask you this question. Have Jesus' words made an impact on your life? Have they shaped your world? Have they influenced your future? Have they caused you to turn around and follow something different? And maybe to that you might say, yes, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm a Christian. What about this week? Have Jesus' words made an influence on your life? Have they changed the way you think about something? Have they changed the way you speak about something? I think we need to come back to Jesus like a child looks up to a grown-up and learns how to speak. Jesus, teach me to speak. I want to listen to your words and I want to reflect them to those around me. I want to listen to not just what you say, but how you say it. I really believe that as we reflect Jesus more and more, as we continue to look at him more, we'll reflect him better. And as we reflect him better, more people will see who he is and want the same for themselves. Have Jesus' words impacted your life? Have they influenced you this week? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your words. 
We thank you that they are life and they are spirit. We thank you that you speak to us words that will build us up, will move us forward to a future with you. God, this morning I pray for those maybe who have never been influenced by your words. Maybe they've heard about you, they've heard some of the things you said, but they've had no bearing or direct impact on the direction that they're going. And God, I pray this morning that by your spirit, that they might hear your words in a new and living way. It might cause them to turn and to follow you, maybe for the first time. God, for those of us who have really not heard your word or your words for a long time or been influenced by them for a long time, God, I pray that this week we might pause even just for a moment and to ask the question, God, what are you saying to me this week? Jesus, what are your words for me this week? How can I reflect them in the world around me? How can they influence my future? God, we thank you that your words are life. In them are life. And God, we thank you that you tell us that you love us. And God, we surrender to you and your will and your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name.